Ladies and gentlemen, this is the knockout artist, Chris Hero, and you are listening to Pro Wrestling Nation. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the podcast, Pro Wrestling Nation. I, of course, am still your host. My name is Funky Sam Medina. I am super honored to be here with these two amazing comedians. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we have the host of the Capital Punishment Show, the king of puns himself, Damian Harmony. How are you doing, Damian? I'm doing great, and thank you for recognizing my title. Uh, I defeated Haku for it, uh, (laughs) so I definitely earned it. Uh, You know, I came in after Harley Race had already gotten his... uh, hernia but uh i'm i'm still holding that title so well, if it's a king of puns though wouldn't you beat haiku for it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hit him with the poetry in motion it was a weird combo it was it was a custom character hell yeah uh you yeah are a, a comedian based out of sacramento i am uh, you host you host the capital punishment show tell us about capital punishment a little bit Oh, yeah. Uh, So myself and Daniel Humbarger, uh, another local comic, uh, we set up a pun tournament, essentially, uh, where uh, different comics and or improv folks and or people who are just good at puns uh, compete tournament style like WrestleMania four. And then the winner uh, gets on to uh, take on me and Daniel in a boss battle. So uh, and basically it's it's uh, if you take eight mile and combine it with dad jokes, you basically have our show. So how did did you uh, your love for puns come about? I stutter and uh, my brain overclocks like I think really, really fast. So I'm always planning out the next thing I'm going to say. And in my house growing up, if you did not have something valuable to say, you didn't get to talk. And when I'm and, and my parents, they took uh, no mercy whatsoever. Um, and so uh, the only way I could work my way in there is if I had, could make them laugh, because then I had some conversational value as a five year old. Um, in fact, uh, the first pun that I can remember was in a first grade homework assignment uh, where you had to fill in the talking bubbles on the um, on, on the comic. And I made a World War Two a uh, Nazi pun having to do with worms. So, oh yeah, yeah. It was, there was a bird talking to a hole in the ground and it said, worm, why don't you come out here? All your friends are here. And then there was silence on the other side. And then it was worm. Uh, your friends are getting killed out here. It's like worm war one. Uh, and then the next one, the worm comes up and he's got a, a helmet on uh, like a knight. And uh, he comes out and he says, where are they? I'll kill those Nazis. I mean, I wasn't historically accurate, unfortunately, but, but yeah. And I spelled Nazis N O T S E Y E S. I mean, it's really just hack material, but, uh, but the fact was that was, that is written proof of, of my pun punacity. Nice. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you incorporate a lot of puns into your comedy? Uh, I, I, you know, at first I didn't, at first I didn't, I, I had a different style, but then once Daniel and I got the show started, uh i just started kind of like developing puns just because out of practice and then it was you know what if i ever have a dead spot in between jokes if i ever need a transition if i ever need a tag i started doing that and then i started combining that with the style that i'd had which was kind of um i don't know uh, it, it's uh what are we, long and suffering um but <laughs> I uh, I was you know telling longer form jokes and then I started realizing oh my god if I could pay them off with a pun at the end people would get so mad 
Um, and that that was better than the silence. So I, uh, I kept going with that. And that became kind of the brand to the point where like overseas now on pun tournaments, people will like do a long form pun. And the hosts on other pun shows will be like, oh, you had 400 more words and you got a Damien Harmony pun. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. <laughs> I wrote a pun for one of your shows one time. I was watching when uh, uh, Jessica Roberts was on it. Yeah. Uh, the, the topic was France. Mm-hmm. And my pun was, uh, I'll take this opportunity to tell it because I can. Yeah. Uh, the pun was, uh, when I'm in France, I eat my breakfast by the water. Oh, how I love French coast. <laughs> nice. I saying what you did there. That's good. Hell yeah. I got I'll, no say, I, I'll, I'll throw yeah. that out at an open mic once in a while, too. Hell yeah, dude. No, I puns are a lot of material doing the show, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, though, it's it's all kind of off the cuff. So um, there are there are I've, I've noticed there's two styles of puns when it comes to pun pun shows. One is you get the topics ahead of time and you write your best puns. And the other one is you were firing off the cuff when you see a topic and we lean more toward the second one, but I have always, um, I've always envisioned our show and luckily Daniel's uh, been on board with it. I mean, a lot of the, the, the skeleton of it was his idea. And what we do is we ping off each other really well. Um, but, um, I always saw it as pro wrestling. So it is a work. It's meant to look like a shoot, but it is a work. So, um, we tell people about two or three days in advance what their topics are going to be. That way they can have something in mind. You know, I always tell them, I'm like, go home, write like 10 puns per topic and keep two in your head. And then as you're listening to people, other ones will come out. And that way you're feeling more comfortable while you're up there. And then the boss battle, I mean, it's set up for them to lose ultimately because Daniel and I get six, hit points, they get three, you know, we know what the topic is going in. We picked it. It's one that we're good at. I mean, we're Arn Anderson with the TV title kind of thing, you know? Um, and then they, you know, they, they find out the topic that night, you know, and stuff like that. And that's, that's like the only part that's almost like a shoot, but I mean, it's so contrived for us to beat them so that when they do beat us, it's, it's amazing, you know, because Holy crap, they did something huge. So, which has happened, I think, uh, five times in five years wow he's been on for five years yeah we've been doing it since july of 2016 have you guys been uh, on twitch this whole time no no we we switched over to twitch when i think i want to say april of 2020 yeah the pandemic yeah so we we basically we we did our february show and then i think we had a march show scheduled and oh you did them in person yeah. Oh, they were all live up until that point. Yeah, they were all live. And we had to change formats because certain things that happen live, like here, I'll show you, we've got this wheel and that wheel goes up on that stand and that stand is on the stage. And our host, Mark Berg, who is forever our host, he is the uh, Earl Hebner of our group um, to the point where I told him in the beginning, you need to wear a white collared shirt and a bow tie. Like I was like, I want you to look like a wrestling uh, referee from the 80s. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I, I had him doing that and he adjudicates everything. He hosts it. He's just perfectly built for it. And the funny thing was we'd originally had him as a contestant. Um, but he, um, he like came to us that night. He's like, I don't really know how to do these things. Like, are you sure? And we said, actually our, our, uh, (laughs) the guy that we had picked as a host bounced. Do you want to just take, take over hosting? He's like, oh yeah, I could do that. And Mark has this 
affect about himself where he's like, hi, I'm Mark Berg. And I mean, I mean, it's perfect for the thing that we were doing. I mean, absolutely perfect. And I even had a a local comedian come up to me and be like, okay, but when are you going to get a real host? I'm like, we found our real host. He's like, I don't know, man. And then he watched and he's like, don't ever change that host. I was like, yeah, I know. (laughs) I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's so in the live format, it was all that in the, uh, online format, we've added a tag team match. And there were a few things that we did in the live format too, before we really dialed it in. Uh, but yeah. Wow. I did not even know that. That's super cool. I thought Mm -hmm. it was just something like a project for the pandemic, like other people were doing and things like that, but that's, that's super awesome. You were doing it for five years in live. Oh yeah. I I mean, it paid for, (laughs) it paid for Christmas for my kids, uh, for all the years. Uh, to the point where my daughter actually asked me, she, she told me one day and at the time she was like six and she's like, she's like, you're not funny. And I was like, actually I am demonstrably funny. Uh, people have paid money to see me be funny. She's like, I don't believe you. I said, the dumb jokes that you hear people pay money for to the point where (laughs) Christmas last year was paid for by those dumb jokes. And she's like, are you serious? I said, yeah. And this coming Christmas, all the toys you're going to get are going to get paid for with those dumb jokes. And she looked at me and she's like, I could do without the presents then. Wow. <laughs> Gangster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And by the way, she hit, she hit me with a pun two years earlier than I have documentation of my own pun. So uh, it's, it's uh, a family tradition apparently. So, and her pun was a wrestling pun and a Latin pun. So I was very proud. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's- pretty crazy i, could, I don't know if i, I could yeah. pull that, mix that many different things in one pun yeah, she did it was cool that's cool so. hey so uh this next guy he's been audience up to this point uh mm. he's also a comedian based out of sacramento uh but he is uh he's a national uh touring comedian this guy is super awesome super funny johnny taylor how you doing johnny i'm doing pretty good thanks for having me funky sam hell yeah man thanks for being here I was uh, i've been on a the, i was on the live version of uh, the pun show oh yeah terrible it was like performance art i uh i didn't do any puns i just didn't, true. i wasn't even doing jokes i was just being mean to the person i was going against <laughs> they weren't even roasts. it was just me being rude Did you uh, <laughs> no i don't think I, he didn't do well either to be fair no. No. but uh yeah i don't think i won uh i did have a fun time but yeah i'm, I'm just really just not good at puns you know it's just not my thing yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess. Not. But I am very good at being mean. I'm not really, I'm not really that good at either, but I do, you know, I, I'm very proud of the few that I do right. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, if I hit a good one, I'm just like, dude, I did something. I'll text Damien. Like, I had a it's good true. pun. I had a good pun. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's... I bet. I bet. Uh, there's always text messages of puns going back and forth between you guys. That's super fun. Super fun. <laughs> super pun. Well, I come up with one good one a year, so yeah. It's not... It's the only time he texts me. Um, Johnny, so <laughs> you, uh, you teach classes on storytelling at the, uh, at the Sacramento Punchline. You know, yeah. You've been doing comedy for a long time, and you're doing that. Um, what's that like for you? Uh, super rewarding. Uh, and, you know, I'm not a big comedy class guy. I was never, a, like, I never took a comedy class or anything. And I always thought it was kind of cheese to even teach comedy class. But the storytelling class is a little bit different because people are coming in with experience already. And it's basically just me teaching, uh, teaching people easy techniques of like building jokes into kind of a more longer form narrative. Uh, so, you know, I never get anybody that's like a super, super new comic. So it's no one one on one stuff at all. It's almost it's like, a, take- like a finishing school. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've seen people for a while. Yeah, I'm teaching people finishing moves. Uh, <laughs> nice. But uh, you know, and honestly, the the proof is in the pudding. I've seen so many people kind of expand their sets after my class, and uh, it's it's super fun. And uh, yeah, I've been doing that for like almost three years now. Oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah, and uh, now I mean, the word of mouth. I mean, I sell out of the class. You know, within a couple of weeks, usually. So. Nice, nice. How did you uh, how did you get started doing that? Like, how did you know that that was kind of something that you were able to do and getting that opportunity to do it? Uh, I did one as kind of a one-off for the Sacramento Comedy Spot, and I had really good attendance, and uh, some really good comics ended up uh, taking the class. And then uh, the Punchline reached out to me, the Sacramento Punchline, and they were like, hey, are you interested in doing a stand-up, just a stand-up class? And I said, I, I don't really want to do a stand-up class but I'd be interested in maybe doing a storytelling class. And uh, we did it and it got pretty popular and uh, uh, it just kind of, we went from there. So nice. you know, I keep having good attendance and, and people seem to really like it. So, and I like doing it. So here we are. Here we are. <laughs> you want to um, tell people how they can find you if they want to look that up or you can contact you about that. Yeah, for sure. You, you can email if you're in the Sacramento area, they are in-person classes uh, you can email plstorytellingclass at gmail.com and uh, just ask for some information and uh, it'll be provided for you there. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You're, uh, you're rebranding and relaunching your podcast. It's not called the Hard Times Podcast. Uh, you want to tell us about that? Uh, yeah, it's called uh, the Hard Talk on the oh, Hard I'm Times. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's Hard Time. Uh, hard Time is your network. It's right? on the Hard Times Podcast Network, yeah, a yeah. great satire site. Um, but yeah, it was called Hipsterocracy. We did a season, which was 27 episodes. And then uh, we're relaunching, rebranding second season uh, called The Hard Talk. And uh, not this Wednesday, but the coming Wednesday after that, uh, Kyle Kinane is on the show. Nice. And uh, we had a cool chat, super fun. And uh, the guests I have lined up for the second season are tremendous. So I'm really excited. Hell yeah, that's cool. Uh, you interviewed Eric Bischoff uh, sometime in the last year, or so that was super awesome. I was rad. That I love yeah. that. Was that on the podcast? Was that no? no I did it for uh, Instagram Live, and uh, I ended up. Uh, he'll be on season two. He's nice. uh, he's he's gonna be, and we're gonna chat for a, an hour and a half, I think. Nice. Uh, I'm gonna yeah get into all the stuff that I didn't get into during that Instagram Live chat, but it's so funny, like. Uh, now and again, like, uh, I'll just get a text from Eric Bischoff <laughs> uh, asking me if I saw something. And I'm just like, you know, the 18 year old me would be losing his fucking mind right now. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm basically friends with Eric Bischoff. It's so wild. That's wild. Wow, dude. That's incredible, man. That's hell incredible. I wouldn't even imagine that. Like your phone just going off and it's Eric Bischoff. Yeah. I'm just all, Oh, it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> you can set uh, his old WWE uh, theme to his uh, to his ringtone. Oh yeah, I'm back <laughs> and better than ever. I hosted a show. I hosted a show recently. I came out to that. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, nice. I did a show at the at my club that I work at over here. Um, yeah, so cool. Johnny, I don't know if you know this, but you were pretty instrumental in Athena and I getting back into comedy. Oh, I didn't, but I think that's fucking awesome. Yeah, How'd so, that come about? So we stopped doing comedy like around 2016 um just kind of faded out of it and uh but we never we never felt out of love with it we always talked about it always knew we were gonna get back into it it was just we just weren't doing it for like three years like three and a half years something like that we saw you um, at the sacramento punchline in early of july of 2019 okay cool and then um, yeah, i think i might have headlined a one-nighter or something yeah yeah it was you and um anyway it was it was really fun night it was really a fun night um yeah uh so yeah we saw you there 
And uh, it was one of the first comedy shows that we went to in a long time. And on the way home, we were just like buzzing about it. And we were just talking about like, oh man, you know, I was picturing myself on stage. Oh, me too, you know? And it kind of got the ball rolling on that. And then July 13th of that month, uh, we ended up going to Reno and we got married. And oh, that's, I hope I was instrumental in that. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh man, we saw Johnny Taylor. We got to get married. We got now. married. We have to get married. <laughs> nice, dude. And, um, and so uh, on the way home from that, we were talking about um, just, you know, doing comedy. And it was time. It was really time for us to get back into it. You know, we both have been thinking about it a lot. And then July 22nd of the same month, we saw you in the beginning of July. And then by the end of July, uh, we were back on stage. That's so fucking cool. I'm Hell so yeah. glad. Yeah. I'm glad that, great, uh, that you know, show was inspiration. Great, yeah, dude. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It was like that night. It was just the first time in a comedy show in a long time. And it just felt it felt right, you know? And then, of course, the world shut down. And then the world Sh- shut down. Shortly, yeah. no, shortly thereafter. I, uh, people ask me about that, though. And my my take on it is I'm glad that I was able to do comedy for like six, seven months before the world shut down. Because right. I don't think I would have gotten back into comedy on an online um, mm. capacity without having been back on the scene. That makes sense, dude. Yeah. Got that I, hunger. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. Online comedy. I have that drive to do it. If online I comedy could be so yeah. hard to... Oof to like there's, there's no give back like there's very little. <laughs> oh my god I yeah I, I did a couple of shows with yeah uh, you Brian. did our first show in april of oh yeah i did i think yeah. i did okay on that show but yeah yeah, uh, it was a fun show the i did some shows with brian Posaint, and those ones were like a thousand people would be watching wow and and those ones seemed cool because like you know people had their mics on a little like i think a, a handful there was a degree of like give back but man it's uh I did a few of those where I was just like, I don't know, man. I, I, maybe, maybe this just isn't my path anymore. You know what I mean? The thing about the weird thing about Zoom is like, there's a delay. There's like, a, you know, five to eight second delay. So from my mouth to your ears, there's a good four or five second delay. And then when you laugh from your mouth to my ears, there's another like four or five second delay. So it's me telling a joke and then ten seconds of silence, and that can be a, you know, that can feel like a long time sometimes. Yeah, oh, see, I that's mean, that's normal with puns. Like with my puns, <laughs> it takes people ten seconds to get it, and then there's this ripple of like, like laughter, and then anger, and then acceptance. Like they but go see, through the five stages of grief. It would go. It would go ten more seconds. Yeah, <laughs> 20, and twenty seconds is far too long the to way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, there's that idea where, uh, you know, one of the first things you kind of learn in stand up is like don't step on your dick. You know what I mean? Like, uh, let it breathe for a second. Don't get right back, right. into. But on zoom, you know, if you have that delay, like you, it seems like you're really not stepping on your dick. And then if you wait a beat and the laugh actually doesn't come, you look like a real idiot. So yeah, zoom, fuck it. Anyways, we're on zoom right now. So I can't talk to you. They're going to shut us down. (laughs) I know. God, if there's guys. one thing I wish I could have invested in, like yeah. go back and just before the pandemic, this yeah. company, yeah, dude, I, I I invested, I made a I made a little bit of coin off Zoom. No and shit. Right when it was uh, right when the pandemic started, I invested in Moderna, and mm-hmm. I invested in <laughs> uh, I invested in Zoom. You're serious? I, I swear to God, and That's I made, awesome. I made several thousand dollars from those investments. So you. You couldn't have texted me that. You just wait until you get a pun. All right, cool. That's fine. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, right when I heard Moderna was uh, interested in in making the vaccine and then they got some yeah. money for it, I was all over it. Smart. 
It is really smart, actually. Uh, I'm gonna go back in time and tell myself to do that too. Get the <laughs> almanac like smart. Biff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get the almanac. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Damien, you have a podcast too. Uh, I do. Your podcast. Yeah, it's called A Geek History of Time. Uh, and uh, my partner Ed Blaylock and I, uh, we're both teachers. Uh, so we just lean toward uh, pedantry anyway. Uh, and we sit there and uh, teach each other about a thing that's geeky and then the history that it connects to. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like one of the first um, topics that I tackled, like we, we our first episode was, and you know, it was, it was because we're sitting there at a D&D game and we're just like riffing back and forth about some historical aspect that ties to D&D. <clears throat> and uh, so we were like, we should make this a podcast. We're two white guys with beards. I mean, we have the starter kit already. Let's do this. Uh, and so we did. And uh, the first couple episodes, we talked about the, uh, co- the comic book code authority. Um, we just basically a history of it and what it tied to and, and on and on and on and how my dad hated uh, Adelaide Stevenson because of the comic book code authority and, and how, how you could trace that lineage and all this. But then like the first major topic that I pulled up was I was like, all right, I'm going to connect the territory system of professional wrestling to the lost cause ideology of post-Civil War reconstruction historians. Uh, and that was a five part series. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> so after the civil war, there was a vested interest in people in the South specifically to make it so that they didn't lose and make it so that they weren't fighting for the wrong thing. And so they started lying and rewriting history that way. And I was able to tie that to specifically how the different territory is shaped up in professional wrestling. So you might notice that in uh, the best example would be in WCW, giving it away for free. In WCW, the the main champ in the 70s and 80s was Ric Flair, right? It was always a heel and it was always Ric Flair. And Ric Flair was always billed as being from either Charlotte, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, which is a rich people town, or he's billed as being from Minnesota. They didn't even say what city. He's just a northerner. Either way, he was super rich and he was an interloper and he always had this cadre of guys around him. He held the title all the time. And while Dusty Rhodes did the dusty finish and stuff like that, if you look at the other guys who challenged for the title, there were always Southern, uh, Southern guys, usually blonde, but that was just kind of what was going on at the time. And they almost always failed. And when they would succeed, they would lose it right like the next week. Yeah, like Ronnie Garvin. Like yeah, like a month and a half. And then like literally, yeah. I think 46 days later, he was, yeah. he, he got beat for it. It was just insane. Like, or, or Wildfire Tommy Rich or, you know, even even Kerry Von Erich. Uh, there's exceptions for that anyway. But it was always how do we get it back on Rick? Because in the South, the, the territories were heel territories, as in a bad guy is always a guy who's a northerner or a rich guy who keeps cheating and finding ways to take back the the rightful victory. And the guy that you follow is the guy who failed heroically because it's a lost cause. Whereas in the North, specifically New York, because in Detroit, it was a little different because Detroit is basically people who lived in New York, but liked racism more. So they'd move West. Um, but, uh, the, uh, in the North in New York specifically, you either had an ethnic hero, um, or you had just a Superman 
And that was basically it. And, and so a good guy almost always held that title. And it was because the North had a righteous cause and they had overwhelming uh, superiority in a lot of ways. And they held off this snippy, nasty, mean South and put them in their rightful place. So in the North, it was much more that comic book motif, that idea of the right person wins, whereas in the South, the wrong person won. You know, and in the North, it was the right person wins because he is stalwart and, and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, that's the two minute version of a five part. So many, many hours episode uh, that that kind of discusses that. And then I get into like how the railroads brought it west and what happened down in the south and the southwest and how Puerto Rico is very different than Mexico and stuff like that. But how a lot of it ties to the Civil War specifically. I want to hear a five hour explanation of that with the wrestling terms. Uh, yeah, the, I think that'd be this, uh, yeah, Damien cannot. I don't know if you know this, Sam. <laughs> Damien can't enjoy anything casually. <laughs> he is, it's not within himself. No, it's I, not. It's not in him to enjoy anything casually. Johnny learned that when he was on our podcast. I was on the podcast. I was just like, I think the best example. So we were talking about a quiet <laughs> place, and he had uh, he had this uh, huge like theory about how. Uh, there's uh, this kind of internalized racism of this uh, uh, in, in the small town and these these kind of white savior types. And I'm just like the whole time I'm like, yeah, the whole time I was watching, I was just like, what if one of them farts? You know, <laughs> and that's the difference in how I look at things and how Damien looks at things. <laughs> nice. It's true. And like I was sitting there, I'm like, oh my god, I never thought of that. <laughs> like. <laughs> It's like so every possible scenario except for yeah. the part. I've got reams and reams about how oh this is oh, like no. you know like where we could figure out that this was and what a nuclear family represented and and all this stuff and you know how the monsters were dark in color and stuff like that and and he's like yeah but if one of them farts that's how I couldn't get into it and I was yeah, like yeah the whole time I was <laughs> separated <laughs> from it you just threw it all out the window with one word yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah uh Damien uh tell us yeah. about, uh your love for wrestling came about i lived in san francisco and i was five years old four years old and i was watching kofy tv 20 san francisco yeah. uh and uh so if anybody's a bay area brat who's listening to this you might big, remember the big time wrestling hell yeah uh and awa came on there too okay and the first awa i ever watched i was like four or five years old and it was playboy buddy rose pretty boy doug summers against the midnight rockers Dude, wow. AWA, that's an AWA tag match if I've ever yep. heard one. Yeah. So I had that. And then the next week, I watched Big Scott Hall and Kurt Henning take on uh, Colonel De Beers and the other guy from South Africa. I forget who his name was. Oh, man. Colonel De Beers. Yeah. He was not hiding his racism at all. That was, no. You could not have Colonel De Beers today. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it was I great. loved it too because they'd be like, uh, uh, sometimes they'd introduce Colonel De Beers and they'd be like, from Reno, Nevada. And you're like, I thought this dude was supposed to be from South Africa. What the yeah. fuck are you talking about? Like, somebody actually was just reading off his actual one sheet. He actually lives in Reno. They're like, yeah. his, his W2 form. <laughs> they actually accidentally doxed him. Right, know? right. So. I think it was full address. But so I watched them and then I had a neighbor come over and he showed me, I think it was like uh, Saturday night's main event. Oh, um, wow. And so I, then, then there was a corner store 
that was a rental store. It was, it was back in the day where you didn't have Blockbuster. You had like corner store rental stores. And they had the first, first three WrestleManias on VHS. And so I watched WrestleMania 2 first. Um, and, uh, and, and it was the, the first thing I remember seeing, besides SD Jones versus uh, King Kong Bundy, uh, was the first one I remember really seeing was the, the, the Battle Royale. Oh, yeah. uh, where Andre uh, and I was, I was mesmerized by the Heart Foundation, which I, I get a kick out of the fact that like my first exposure as a very young boy was when Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels were breaking in in tag teams. Yeah, yeah. And it was, so you know, just accidental, and also you know some other incredible wrestlers too. But like those were the ones for me. So and then I I, I think I watched it out or I watched two, three, and then one for the WrestleManias because. Like Johnny said, I can't enjoy anything casually. Yeah, and that's the <laughs> same. I mean, that's the same era that I started watching wrestling in. Was right yeah, there, right in 80, 85, 86, right around there. Uh, it was a couple of years later, but yeah, around there too. Yeah, it was. I mean, my my first uh, my birthday party in eighty seven was uh, we ordered WrestleMania three on uh, pay per view. Oh wow! And yeah, so I was, and I had been really into it since the beginning of probably like eighty six. Uh, the first the first match I ever saw I remember was Terry Funk in a squash match on WWF. It was like oh. he had he had just got to the territory and he was gonna he was just about to feud with Hogan. Uh, and that Ho- that Hogan feud was super short lived because I don't think they even knew what they had with Funk at the time. So but, and he was tagged with Hoss Funk for yeah, a little yeah. bit, and Jimmy Jack was, Funk. They had a whole yep. bunch of funks for now. Whole Funkin family. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember my uh, my stepmom let me rent uh, the wrestling classic. Was it? It was that tournament, yeah, the JYD oh, one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Funk was in that, and he did the straight up heel thing of with Moon Dog Spot. He's like, I don't want to wrestle you. You don't want to wrestle me. Let's just go. And then he, you know, double crossed him, and then accidentally, you know flipped him into the ring and Moondog went on and and then Funk came out and was challenging Hogan. So it's yeah. it's you and I like had very similar orbits as far as that went. Right That's there. pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. I watched I remember renting the wrestling classic too on VHS. Yeah. And I was a huge savage guy back then. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was it was wrestling was it was wrestling superstars was on Saturday mornings. Yeah. And I had to ask permission to watch it. And sometimes my parents would say no and they'd have no good reason. Um, and then other times they'd be fine with it and they'd still have no good reason. Uh, but I remember actually, uh, telling them about what happened between undertaker and, uh, ultimate warrior locked him in the casket. And I was banned from watching wrestling for like three months after that. Oh, wow. But my, at that point, my parents were wealthy enough to have a lawn. Um, and it was just a little postage stamp lawn. And that was perfect size for a wrestling ring for me. So I was taking bumps. I was doing drop kicks. I was yeah. I was always with the Killer Bees, uh, oh, yeah. tagging up against the uh, Bolsheviks and uh, you know Danny Davis. So <laughs> Danny Davis. I, I had a friend who I used to always wrestle on the grass with too. Yeah, oh, yeah. I took I some major bumps as a kid for sure. I, I was just alone, but thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that imagination running. I also had those little thumb wrestlers. You remember those guys? You shoved yeah, their thumb in the back. I had a Hogan and a Savage. Yeah, yeah, I had I had Hogan, uh, I Nikolai. Sheik. I had Andre. Yep. Uh, I had uh, Andre the Giant. I had Iron oh. Sheik. I had Sheik and Big John Stud. Oh yes. So oh, wow. yeah, and I I I had it's crazy. I had them, and I had the AWA ring, the toy ring. Yeah. That came with like the big old plastic Baron von Raschke 
and uh with his you know kind of cloth uh the black and the red uh uh robe and i instead of using awa guys in there because they were oversized for that ring and that ring had an actual canvas on it i used the little thumb wrestler guys in there because it was perfect because you could pull them back and launch them into each other it was way better than wwf wearing um so i you know i cross promoted early that's awesome you were starting you're getting ready for that super super card (laughs) (laughs) with the wrestle wrap yeah yeah, but that's the case that there was actual canvas on the AWA ring. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. that's crazy. Uh, Johnny, you said that you grew up and you know you found uh, you found some Terry Funk Hulk Hogan. How did you discover? Like, where did it come from? Where'd you find it? Uh, just, dude, I was just like, I think I was watching cartoons, and it must have been a Saturday morning or something, and it had to be like either Superstars or Wrestling Challenge, or it could have even been like. Uh, on Sundays on USA Network, they had All Star Wrestling hosted by Gene Okerlund, mm-hmm. and it was like a, it would like show the best of like whatever was on TV that week, and could have been on one of those. But I, I saw it and I was immediately like, "This is my thing," you know. I was like, yeah, "This," and it has been, dude. It's so crazy. It's mm-hmm. forty, like almost forty years now, where you know, and I've taken time off here and there, but mm-hmm. it's still like. I keep up. I might not watch Raw and SmackDown and AEW, like the, the shows, but I will like watch recap shows. I'll listen to podcasts. I keep up for sure. And yeah. I, I always have kind of kept up, you know, for the most part. Honestly, I couldn't tell you who the Raw champion is right now. I mean, I know Reigns is the SmackDown champion, and he's literally one of the only things that's good about that product right now. Uh, but that shows you how disconnected from Raw I am. I couldn't even tell you who the champ is. I can, but just because I watched SummerSlam. Okay. Who is the Raw champion? Right uh, Bobby Lashley. Okay. Yeah, it's Joy Goldberg. Oh, yeah, nice. I, yeah. I would have got, oh, yeah. And then choked the shit out of his son, which is. Yeah, he choked him out. Yeah. That's wow. That was actually really Hilarious. cool. That was really cool. And because, uh, you know, Bobby Lashley's the moment Goldberg's son jumped on him and then he just like grabbed him and started choking him out. And then uh, MVP's like, what are you doing? That's a kid. And Lex is like, oh shit, he just like threw him down. He's like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of built. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, the funny thing is, is that right now in every major organization right now, there's mm-hmm. it's a heel champ. See, I can tell you why historically. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, because the chase, but like, um, I don't know, on WWE currently, there's nobody really for chase. Like there's nobody there to, to do the big chase in WWE. Yeah. Like, who's the big baby faces right now in WWE? Nobody really. For Roman, it's been a revolving door. Yeah. You know, Edge and Daniel Bryan and um, John Cena just came back and now Brock's back. And I think it's going to lead to Roman versus The Rock at WrestleMania. Yeah. Versus The Rock or versus Rock? Versus The Rock. No, not Rocco Rock. Rocco Rock from the Public Enemy. Yeah. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a buried alive match. It's gonna bring the tables out to the yeah. bring the tables out to the ring. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, well, I'm all about AEW right now. I'll tell you that. Oh my gosh! So I don't have cable, so I haven't watched Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite in a long time. Um, but I did get the trial for Hulu, not for Hulu, for Sling TV okay. to watch the Return of CM Punk. Yeah, nice. Boy, what a moment that was! Oh man, that was I'm cool. So glad I got magic. it. You know, it was Absolute magic. So glad I saw that. Yeah, it was incredible. It was just one of the most incredible moments I've seen in a long time. And from what I'm understanding, Daniel Bryan's gonna show up at the paper. CM Punk kind of hinted at, yeah. So yeah, that's the rumor. The rumor was that they signed both of them. 
Uh, I, can, I can see Daniel. I was always saying I can see Daniel Bryan going more than Punk. I thought, you know, Punk hasn't wrestled in seven years. How's he going to do it? But, right. you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited to see him back. And it's, it's really good to see him in love with wrestling again. Totally. And, I mean, Darby Allen. that's an interesting choice because if you're kind of rusty, it, it's going to be easy to look bad against Darby because mm-hmm. Darby's one speed and it's go. So, yeah. I think there's enough right. there's enough trust there though that like sure. it, when you got Sting on the outside to kind of slow things down too right. but like yeah. and and Punk he can he can he can like slip in into fourth gear while you're at fifth gear and still make it really look good totally like I, uh, to me that was know. yeah uh, to me that was a, a good idea and also he can make Darby look good yeah like yeah. Just they're trying to get they're trying to get Darby over yeah Sting I don't I still don't get the Sting Darby Allen connection i don't get that at all because they, they both, both like things. black and white i, I guess it's <laughs> all there has to like, be i feel like they wore paint for different reasons you know like darby totally. allen where is it because like um his grandpa or somebody i don't remember who he said i saw his interview with them you know he said somebody died in a car accident and like he wears the paint in honor of that person like because a part of him died too or whatever and then sting you know dressed like the crow because lex luger broke his heart because he thought he turned on wcw like that's not the same. <laughs> you know? That's not the same. I did a three-part series on staying in the NWO and the uh, uh, the the Clinton years. So, <laughs> wow, wow, I gotta I gotta listen to these episodes. That sounds really yeah. The the emotional and psychological impact of waiting for a savior to come from above. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I couldn't just oh, hang oh, with Damien. <laughs> I really want to hear this now. Let's let's come back to this tomorrow. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> I'm gonna go listen to that right now. See you guys. Yeah. Later. See ya. Yeah, we'll hit pause. Guys had fun. It was a uh, good time. Hell yeah. yeah, hell yeah, it was. It was. Um, but yeah, so CM Punk's back. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, All Out is happening. Uh, I'm probably not gonna watch it, but I'll, I'll definitely read the results of it online. I'm definitely gonna try to catch it. It's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's this Sunday. I'm off. I think I'm off from, from work, so I might, I might try to find a way to watch it too. I like how we've kind of come full circle um, to how it was in the '90s. Like in the '90s, I would look for because internet was pretty nascent. But one of the places I would go quite often were different wrestling websites oh, yeah. to find yeah. the results of the pay per views. Yeah, me too. On Monday morning, Nitro. so that when I watched Nitro and Raw then you know i would know what had happened and and now we're back again where i don't i don't watch regularly i'm like johnny i keep up but that's about it and i i'm checking the boards again you know and it's 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 funny how 20 plus years later my love for it has has not changed but you know circumstances of life had have absolutely made it where i'm doing the same thing again right yeah it's it's like i found a new church like yeah i mean that's the same denomination were you on the message boards and stuff back in the day? Like I used to be on wrestle. Uh, what was it? Uh, it was WrestleNet. wrestle wrestle.net or uh-huh. wrestlenet.com. I think it yep. was. Yeah. Yeah. One of my best friends on there, some guy I never met in real life, but he, uh, his, uh, his screen name was Crispin Wah. It was K I K R I S P E N W A H Crispin Wah. <laughs> and, uh, then uh you know years later i was like wow that ended up being a creepy username yeah no kidding (laughs) 
Shit, shit went weird on that. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah onewrestling.com I would be on, which was oh, yeah, uh, I remember onewrestling.com. Yep. I was on yeah. that all the time. Yeah. After, yep. It was an after site. And uh, yep. then uh, yeah, PW. That's why I like it so much, com, I think, because of the after mags, because he, yeah. he was kind of the guy behind the magazines from being. Oh, yeah. Inside Wrestling, Pro Wrestling yep. Illustrated. Yeah. I remember I, getting, I, just reading all the backs of them to see just who was where and what results were of shows that I'd never heard of. Oh, yeah. I like, love this. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I moved to Florida when I was like 11, really rural Florida. And it was my first exposure to the NWA. And, and it was my first exposure to anything outside of AWA and, and WWF and a little bit of a California, Northern California one, um, but which was just garbage at the time. Uh, but uh, I, I started subscribing to PWI and I learned and, and all my neighbors um, were super marks for you know, Barry Windham, especially. Oh, Barry uh, Windham was so fucking rad. Oh, though. God, he was. But like, like PWI. And so I remember picking up the issue where Bruiser Brody had gotten killed. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And it had Bruiser on the, on the cover. And like, so you, you mentioned PWI. I was like, oh my God, I remember because I remember seeing the top 10 list of each federation yeah. and having no clue what these other federations were. And the funny thing was, I had known who Bastion Booger was. But I didn't know that he went away to become Mock and Sing. Right, right. But you know, one of my favorite guys growing up was Don Morocco as well, and he oh, yeah, left. Rock. The original yeah, rock. the original rock. The original rock. But I remember he left, and then he shows up in Calgary, and I'm like, "Where the hell is Calgary?" First of all, so then I started learning geography, um, and <laughs> he had beaten Mock and Sing for the title, uh, which was honestly just Don the Rock Morocco beating Booger Bastion for. Right you know, Stu Hart's title. It was crazy. But like, yeah, I was just remembering uh, PWI and they just had all these rankings. And then I was like, who's this person who could be as good as Hulk Hogan? You know? Right. right. Then I got to learn who Flair was. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I learned about Ric Flair too. Um, Cause I didn't have NWA and I didn't have all these other, I just had pretty much um, superstars and primetime wrestling. I didn't have like wrestling challenge. WWE. Oh, I loved primetime Monday mm-hmm. nights. I loved primetime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when Ric Flair, when Ric Flair first came to WWF television, mm-hmm. I knew who he was just because of the magazines, because I read about him so much. And uh, the, I knew that he had, I knew when he came out with that belt, I didn't really know what it was exactly, but I knew that I was watching history being made. It was yeah. a big deal for it sure. I knew it was a big deal when I was a kid. I remember they had, I mean, they were pixeled out the fucking belt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, this is, I mean, and I knew what it was. Cause at that point I was already kind of smart to, uh, to uh 605 on saturdays i'd watch it on the superstation so mm-hmm. i was pretty smart to to flair i i had already i'd already started to build up like some nwa knowledge and i watched some awa because i was on espn too so i knew of some people in some other territories and i knew when flair showed up on primetime wrestling it was a big deal yeah i was like this is a fucking huge deal right i thought yeah. they fucked it up I found a totally YouTube that I had never seen before, uh, where Bobby, Bob, yeah, Bobby Heenan, I was mm-hmm. Bobby Lashley again. Uh, Bobby <laughs> Heenan has the belt, and he's like, "This belt belongs to the real world champion." And like he, he does like a little two or three minute promo, and then at the end, the show ends with him saying Ric Flair's name. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I did, like if watching that now, you know, from back like back then's point of view, I'm like, wow, that was an incredible moment, you know, like seeing him say Ric Flair's name on WF television before Ric Flair was even, he probably was still under contract. You know, he was probably just trying to leave. At that point. Hey, I want to bounce this off you guys, not to jump around too much. Imagine if 
and I know that they wouldn't have popped the rating that they did. Imagine if uh, AEW somehow was able to keep CM Punk showing up a secret. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're in Chicago. Imagine he shows up. That would have been like, and nobody knew, like there was no whispers about it. That would have been one of the most, I mean, it was already yeah. amazing. That would have been, people would have literally lost their fucking minds. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. I mean, they already did, but they might not they have been able did, to sell yeah. it out. So yeah, I was still, I was still very skeptical about the whole CM Punk thing. Um, but then, you know, I, I still got some, gave some money to Sling TV to watch it. Uh, and then when it came on, they were in Chicago. The entire building was just CM Punk as loud and as hard as they could. I just said to myself, if they don't produce CM Punk in the next two or three minutes, this place is going to fucking riot. Riot. Totally. Right. Oh, the minute fucking Cult of Personality came on. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got fucking goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I straight love, up. I love that it, it could still do that to me. Mm-hmm. Like his music hit and the CM Punk logo came up and I was like, this is fucking... Oh, shit, I'm amazing. getting them right now. I know. I was like, this is <laughs> this is one of the greatest moments in the last 20 years of pro wrestling, mm-hmm. in my opinion, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I uh I saw some behind the scenes footage of oh. his. Did you see I that? Watched it too. I love that cute I little wink that he gave. Yeah. And he was like, is that for me? That's for me. <laughs> I was right. like, I gotta so see cool. that. Yeah. Uh, it was it was cool. No, I, I think the AEW um it feels like they've inverted it and kind of screwed it up a couple times because they brought out Christian as, uh, didn't they announce? Did they announce Christian or was he the surprise? No, he, he was. He, he was the surprise. surprise. Yeah, and and I think that kind of wrecked it. But for no he, crowd, which kind of sucked, right, you know? I yeah. Mean, it, well, not only was it no crowd, but like I, Christian is the guy that you announce because people who like Christian will want to see that. Right. He's yeah, not the right. guy that you surprise with. Right. Yeah. And CM Punk is the guy that you surprise with. Right. Yeah. I mean, and they, uh, yeah. you know, flipped it the wrong way. You're right. You're right. I got to be you're honest. Surprise him with Edge, you know? Right. Christian is still very fucking good. Yeah. Christian yeah, is. Terrible. He's I was ranting. really good on the mic and he's excellent in the ring. He's so, good. he's so good. I was ranting a couple weeks ago on the podcast about how, like, he came back and, and he's, you know, this guy they they like they promised big things when they brought him back and then he was tagging with the Jurassic express for a few weeks and i was not happy about that um but i'm happy with the direction they took him where he became the impact champion and he's gonna go ahead and go lose to uh to kenny omega in the main yeah, event yeah he, he's gonna lose mm-hmm. to kenny omega i could lose to him but i'm glad that he's gonna be there yeah and mm-hmm. the fact that he got a clean win against them was pretty yeah. tight yeah, yeah it is like right he the first one in five years isn't it and then just go off and be the impact champion you know that's that's mm-hmm. awesome that he's the impact champion well, and that's how you build both guys too. Like you, you build Kenny by having him beat Christian or no, the other way around. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you build, you build uh, Christian by having him beat Kenny and then you give Kenny the title back so that they have something to fight for later as well. Yeah. But you know, I, Jim Ross always goes off about, you know, 50, 50 booking. Um, but if done right, you can do it really well. Oh yeah. yeah. WWE did it. Ter- does it terribly. Yeah. Yeah, they do because they do it week to week. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was talking to a friend of mine, and AEW is far from perfect, mm-hmm. but they're getting most of the big things right. Where WWE is failing on almost every level right now, like it's pretty bad, and Raw yeah. is hard to watch. That is it a really bad. Is. Pro- it's a bad problem. Yeah. yeah. 
WWE SmackDown's a little bit better because Roman's so good. They're definitely coasting yeah. on their legacy. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, they got some competition, I'm afraid to say. It's legitimate competition. Well, I mean, right now, AEW is competing with NXT. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're on their way up. They really are. I'm not even sure NXT is going to exist in a year, if I'm being really? honest. I yeah, really I don't mean, know. They cut a lot of the talent on NXT. And they, That's true. They put it on Tuesday. Uh, if U.S. like if, if you know USA says no more, who knows? They might. They might. Yeah, I mean, yeah. NXT seems to have turned into thunder. It's kind man, of it's kind of worse know. almost. Jeez, which is sad because I really like that product. For I yeah, really too. I really did too. Oh, that had some of the best wrestling ever in like the mid twenty teens. Like oh, I remember, you know, yeah. before I had the pun show, Johnny would text me about wrestling shows. Yeah. Um, and he's like, dude, you have to watch Bailey and Sasha. You have yeah. to watch that. Yeah, like, they were so good. Well, oh my guys, god. Did you guys go to NXT WrestleMania weekend in 2015? I didn't, but I, I, I did you know I did go to WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I went to, we went to NXT and uh it was Hideo Tommy hit the first GTS in WWE. And wow. that place just came unglued. It was amazing. Nice. Yeah. You know, there was uh it was uh it was Finn Balor against Neville was the main event, and then uh Hideo Tommy came out and hit I think hit Neville with the GTS. Yeah, dude. It's like and I'll tell you what, Seth Rollins cashing in money in a bank at that WrestleMania. Oh, that made mm-hmm. the- that's to this day is one of the top five moments I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh yeah. So without that moment though, that would have been a pretty not great WrestleMania. It would have sucked. Yeah, but, you know, it's funny. Like I saw Seth, so you know, we're we had pretty decent seats. Mm-hmm. And like I saw Seth Rollins emerging, and I was like, he's gonna cash in. And when he hit fucking the curb stomp, I was like, Yeah, they just saved this entire fucking pay-per-view. They really did, they really did. Because after that moment, you left buzzing. Um, oh, and I feel like God. if it would have just been paint by numbers, Brock versus Roman and Roman wins and whatever, boo, and then he flips us off and walks away. It, it would have been kind of deflated the, the crowd. And right. we all left buzzing, though. Everybody left buzzing. That was such oh, a yeah. nice moment. It was I so remember, too, because like if you take some of those matches in isolation, they're really good. Like I still really enjoy uh, just remembering uh, Randy versus Seth from earlier in the, yeah. in the night, yeah. which mm-hmm. to me, that made the Seth part even better. Because again, the fact fact that they put Orton over was yes, in in retrospect, made it even cooler. Oh, yeah, the the night that Edge won the money in the bank, he cashed it on John Cena, he Mm -hmm. lost earlier in the night, too. It was, yeah, similar fashion. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's a really good way because then whoever beat him, there's there's your second natural because you're going to have a a rematch for the next pay per view, Mm -hmm. but then your next feud is the guy who comes back and is like, I already beat you. I mean, it's just. That's easy. Yeah. Also, Orton hitting that RKO in the coolest way. That was, that was such a good spot. Yeah, that, that was so good. The RKO. I like that better than his uh, RKOs against um, uh, what's his name, Evan Bourne. Yeah. Uh, uh, Evan that Bourne. that was just so stunty to me. Like, yeah. you yeah, know, talk, talk about another guy that had so much talent that they absolutely fucking yeah. didn't do anything with. Uh. I'm still bitter about them letting Billy Kidman get fat. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, but I. Feel like- <laughs> Even though Evan Bourne didn't really have much of a career, he still kind of opened the door for uh, indie talent and Ring of Honor guys. He did for sure. That's true. That's he true. He was like the first one. Yeah, for sure. I can think of. <laughs> yeah, he kind of. Yeah, he he legitimized it in a lot of ways. So. And then yeah, then we got we getting like CM Punk. 
like CM Punk was, uh, you know, we talked about him coming back and how he's like this amazing, iconic character. And, you know, he was a guy that was never supposed to be. And his, his story is just amazing. And, um, you know, without, without an Evan Bourne, there may not have been a CM Punk. Yeah. I mean, I remember the two guys in the early 2010s or late 2000s. The two guys that I would read about from like the Indies or Mexico was Brian Danielson yeah. and Mystico. And, and mm-hmm. Mystico ended up being Sankara in WWE, the first, the original Sankara, and just could not get over. And it was just a botch fest. Uh, and then Brian Danielson, we, we know what happened to all, NXT and the whole night. Uh, and now then became, I, I don't care what anybody says, you know, as far as white hot baby faces go, I always say 2014 Daniel Bryan, I challenge anybody to show me somebody that was as over as he was in 2014. He was yeah. so fucking over. Yeah. I mean, he had baseball teams leading their stadium in the yes chant. That's, was, yeah, that's true. They were showing like sports. And Hunter Pence. Yeah, yeah Dude, he was yeah. next level, you know. Yeah, and you know, it's a shame that he had such a kind of a short run due to the fact that he got hurt. But uh, 2014, he was getting the fucking Road Warrior pop. Yeah, every he was time he, every yeah, time yeah, he, he came was. out. Yeah, especially when um, they weren't giving him the title shot, and the fans were kind of rebelling. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was like some of the most amazing stuff ever. Yeah, yeah. when they had that like brought all the champions in the ring, and then. People are literally just screaming Daniel Bryan and doing the yes chant. Like, yeah. They wouldn't even let anybody else talk. Yeah. yeah. Even Shawn Michaels was like, oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they like this guy, you know. But <laughs> Shawn Michaels looks at Daniel Bryan as like a student. So he's yeah. just like, yeah, this is one of my guys. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I completely forgot about that. But yeah, they were just like, this Daniel Bryan, the whole, and nobody else said anything. It was just all for him. That was amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm and I think to see the AEW's reaction to Danny Bryan. I think it's gonna be interesting. Well, think- and what music they choose for him too, because like CM Punk's was iconic because, right. and his was, I mean, oh, it was called the personality. Is probably gonna be um, Final Countdown. Oh, that was his Ring of Honor music. Uh, you think? I think Tony Khan oh. afford it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tony Khan can afford anything. Oh yeah. <laughs> Tony Khan can his, dad, his dad's got that money. Yeah. I don't know though. I liked the uh, flight of the bumble or the the Wagner. Da, da, oh, yeah, da, 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 yeah. da. Like that's, I think that got people going too. That like might I, be available too because I think a mm-hmm. stock. I think that yeah. I think that's just a, a to, licensing I, fee. I, I yeah, that, that was his thing. They they might be able to get that because that's probably not something that's just, like yeah. Was that flight of the Valkyrie? Is that what yeah, flight of the Valkyrie. Because yeah. I mean that that gets people like I really do think like the the the. Yeah, gets people like up and going, and I really do think that like when you've got a guy like that, because part of it was his music, and same thing with CM Punk, because it but da 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 like because I mean Owen Hart was goddamn amazing, but his music was awful. I mean, just dog shit. Um, and you know I love you know me, I'm a Bret Bret Hart Mark, but like his music was about a level below where it should have been for him. Yeah, whereas like you know like Taz got way bigger pops than he deserved because I think because partly because of his music and Brock continues to get good pops because of his music. I, you, you hit the right few bars in the beginning yeah. and you can really elevate a guy. And I think that's that, um, yeah, good edge, thing. It goes a long way. Yeah. Edge, you know, the, you think, you know, me boom, that gets everybody up, you know, and, and you get the, the Daniel Bryan, everybody up CM Punk, everybody up Christian, 
never got a big pop for that. So what Chris yeah. Jericho always had great theme music and his yep. theme in AEW yeah. is uh, more over than he is at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, the countdown you know was really cool for Jericho too cuz that kind of Oh yeah, like, the break the walls down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iconic yeah, theme song. That, that oh yeah. The people made made them be quiet for a couple seconds and then he mm-hmm. got the extra pop when they were able to to pop for him. Yeah. 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 Like hold it back for a couple seconds and then let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Triple H yeah. has always had amazing uh, yeah music too well and, and mankind like when he finally was like uber over it was because he had the car crash music yeah like not because oh, but a, like that's a really catchy yeah. song too yeah it is like it's yeah. it's so funny because like on my pun show we always have people come out to entrance music again i think it, i think of it as pro wrestling so i'd always ask people what they want as their entrance music um and i would always pick a wrestling theme for for entrance music and for that exact thing i want people like hearing that pop um you know nowhere near to the level that daniel bryan got but you know it's it's i don't know it, it's just occurring to me like music was really 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 important as far as like getting the crowd up because like think of warriors music not as big a pop right because it all just kind of came in on this level you know Shawn michaels horrendous yeah. song. oh i know i think it's just so over the top cheesy yeah. that yeah it's so bad it, that know? it's good it's so right. bad. yep it's like a b movie mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know uh, triple h before he had that motorhead theme uh oh. he had that one that was that that one, one kill two, this one, one? Two, this one that, yeah i oh, thought that was time oh so yeah good. i thought yeah. that was such a great thing theme, theme. Yeah. i was bummed out when they they went away from that theme music mm-hmm. yeah yeah well the, the dx we think seem things almost really good too dx oh, totally. the, boom boom yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Uh, I, iconic. Yeah. And of course, the NWO porno music. It yeah. Never gets old to me. Best music though, Brood. Oh, the Brood oh, yeah. had great. Brood's entrance. Oh my god, they just had that too. Yeah. Deep was, grinding. I loved Edge coming out to the Brood. So cool. Yeah. SummerSlam. That was amazing. So cool. nice. I love like little nods to the past like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of like you remember when Kurt and uh, Sean had their match yeah. at Mania. And Kurt was like, well, I'm going to do everything in four weeks that it took Sean his whole career to do. And he fought uh, uh, Marty Jannetty. Yeah. And then Sean comes out and and rescues him. And then uh, they have a tag match the next week. And poor, stupid Marty Jannetty. But uh, party, (laughs) party, Marty, party, Marty. But like what I loved about that tag match was like you see them talk about it. And he's like, you want to do it? Yeah, let's do it. And they did their bounce out of the ring. Yeah. And I mean, just I oh, love yeah. when they do little nods like that to yeah. just the old school stuff. Yeah. Man, Marty Gennetti had too many chances. I read an article about Marty Gennetti. Oh, yeah. Like 13 hires. He yeah. Had so many chances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about him going off on Facebook where he's like, 20 years ago, I killed a man. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> What are you talking about, dude? Jesus Christ. Don't, um, put this on, don't put this on Facebook. There's no statute of limitations on that, Marty. Are you crazy? No, my favorite was where he like he and this gal went and got blood tested to make sure that she wasn't his daughter so that they could fuck. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's just being smart. <laughs> Smarty Marty. The situation Marty Marty. was that she came back into his life as like she found her long lost dad. And then it turns out that he wasn't her blood relative. And he's right. like, you're pretty cute. Yeah, she's pretty cute. <laughs> and he's asking Facebook if he should. Right. Oh he puts on a, a poll on Twitter. Shout <laughs> fuck my almost daughter. <laughs> Dude, speaking of that, um, what's her name? Uh the the congresswoman, uh Bobert. Oh yeah. She's um smart. do you know her connection to Stan Lane? 
No. Oh. oh, my God. Okay, so her mom had her out of wedlock. It's the South. This happens when you're 15. Um, but uh, you have a certain amount of time to declare the father for paternity reasons. Well, her mom is first cousin to sweet Stan Lane. And so she named Stan Lane as the father. He got a paternity test uh, and it came up negative. But her mother kept telling, uh, I can't remember Bobert's first name. Uh, I want to say like Lorna or something. But uh, but he kept, uh, uh, so Bobert's mom kept telling her for her entire life that Stan Lane is her dad. Stan Lane of the, of the Midnight Express. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sweet Stan Lane. Uh, yeah. And it's, she's his cousin. Yeah. She's his, she would be his first cousin once removed because she's one generation down. No, but, but I mean, the, the, yeah. woman, the mother is his cousin. Oh yeah. His first cousin. Wow. So uh, he has repeatedly like shown like, dude, paternity test don't lie. Like, here we go. And she, of course, what a shock. She doesn't believe science. Um, <laughs> but uh, she also got she also got her GED just a few weeks ahead of uh, getting elected. Uh, again, awesome that she got it. That's that's fantastic. But yeah. But at the same time, when when she also believes that sweet Stan Lane is her dad, despite all evidence to the contrary and consanguinity, uh, you know, I kind of wonder. Where, where she got it from. And I got my GED for the same reasons. I had a job I wanted and I yeah. was like, oh, I need to get my GED to get this. And, uh, but I was 16. Right. <laughs> and it was borders. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> I was, it was tower records. I was 16. I needed a job. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, that's part of her campaign. I got my GED, y'all. Yeah. Good so man. again, no shade on that, but it is kind of a fun, fun little detail in that's the like, wrinkle. Well, her getting her GD is one of the only things I like about it. <laughs> yeah, like, she followed through. Right, she did. Saint Lane is my father. No, I'm her cousin. <laughs> oh man, sweet Stan Lane in the news. Who yeah, <laughs> I did not think I would ever think of Stan Lane again. Right, <laughs> I think I, I I know Stan Lane more from commentary than I know from wrestling. That's funny. Yeah, Stan, yeah, Stan Lane was a real good looking dude back in the day. Yeah, he was. He was '80s good looking, but yeah. yeah. Well, his yeah. cousin sure thought so. Yeah, 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 there you go. <laughs> she thought he was uh, daddy material. So and you know who was you know who wasn't a good looking guy? May rest in peace, Bobby Eaton. Yeah, or, oh, yeah. yeah, dude, an unfortunate oh looking man. Who a face only a mother could love. What what is with blonde you? men back then? Oh man, he he Oof. was very very unfortunate looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> Okay, so ugliest wrestlers then. Ugliest wrestlers. That's where we're going. Oh, Bobby Eaton's up there for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I hate to speak ill of him because he literally just passed a couple weeks back. But yeah. Yeah, he was. I'm sure. I'm sure he wouldn't mind. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he did fine. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's got more than any of us ever see. Well, you know what he was doing in the company he was keeping. Right. Johnny and I watched the 350 documentary, 350 Days. So good. And there was uh there's there was what's that? What is that? Oh, oh 350 days? You have to watch it, dude. Yeah, you do. Oh good. It's 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 a wrestling documentary. It's basically they interview yeah, a whole bunch of old timers. Where, uh, where can yeah. that yeah. be found? Uh I have the DVD of it. Yeah, that's how we watched no. it. it was oh, okay. on DVD. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But uh, I'm sure you can find it on a streaming service now. I was drunk as yeah. fuck that night. Yeah, you were. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, st- I, st- I stumbled in. <laughs> you just came in from Denver, I think. Drunk as shit. And uh, <laughs> watched that. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. That was a good summer, man. Johnny yeah, used to come over like oh, probably man. two, three times a week for yeah. a little while because yeah. he was between 
between houses, but between, not gigs. Between places to live. I was very glamorously homeless. Yeah. Uh, for six months. But it was, yeah. yeah. But he'd come over and we'd like, we'd talk wrestling, we'd watch wrestling. And sometimes oh, he'd yeah. be just so blitzed out of his mind that he'd fall asleep. <laughs> like I showed him this really good promo uh, where Paul Heyman goes off on, uh, on Vince McMahon. And I look over and Johnny's just like, passed out and i was like okay okay and then i showed him another one on like with uh jim Cornette. nobody falls asleep for during jim Cornette. johnny's just out oh, but yeah i was living hard <laughs> yeah but in uh sleep, you gotta put a good promo in front of them there's this wild part in uh in 350 days i mean they interview marty Jannetty, and you see how unfortunate he's he's Ooh. become but they interview um uh greg valentine and Greg Valentine has this great quote, and he says, you know, they say that the Beatles uh, had, had a line of gals, 100, 100 gals deep, that they would pick from uh, at their hotel room. He said, Ric Flair and I never got above 30. Wow. But 30 is pretty good. And I'm sitting there going, like, Greg Valentine got... got... <laughs> Dude, Greg, oh. Greg Valentine. Hey, they called the hammer for a reason. <laughs> dude, dude, the girl I lost my virginity to looks like Greg the Hammer Valentine. <laughs> it takes her 15 minutes to warm up, she, too. She looks exactly <laughs> like him. I'm like, I, I, we're friends on Facebook. I'll see her sometimes. I'm like, damn, she it's, it's the resemblance is uncanny, <laughs> you know? And she looked like Greg the Hammer Valentine back then. Oh, man. You know, but I was taking what I could get. When you did the deed, did you wear the the Ronnie Garvin uh, Dude, towel? I, I wore, you know, I wore a, I wore fucking a leopard print. Like we were, we were, we were, we were the dream team. The dream team. I was like the barber. Right she turned the, the she, when she was ready to finish. She turned the condom halfway around yeah, to get totally, a better angle on you. Totally. Yeah. Here, here's how bad Brutus Beefcake was. Uh, I didn't know he had a finishing move until like WrestleMania four. Yeah, I was like, oh, he uses the sleeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He never won any of those matches, dude. <laughs> that's true. Oh, my Man. God, that's right. Yeah. Well, he, oh, so he broke up with the hammer during Mania 3, yeah. and they elevated him because he came in and woke up Roddy. Mm -hmm. And so I guess he just took Roddy's sleeper because, um, yeah, he started oh, putting uh, people I, to sleep for the. Before he was the barber, though, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that was, and then that's he became the barber. Out. He because of that match right and then he yeah. put people to sleep with the sleeper and cut their hair yep yeah yep what a fucking idiotic gimmick <laughs> well and that's barber oh my on God. the list of his shitty gimmicks that's actually toward the top end of good stuff it's yeah, better I mean, than the uh, disciple uh, his gimmicks, yeah or the booty man oh the booty man the booty man oh, dude yeah. i remember <laughs> when he came back as the disciple Oh he yeah, must, he must have been doing roids for six months straight. Yeah, yep. he came out. He was fucking chiseled. He, he was unrecognizable. Yeah, he was. I didn't know he was um, who he was for the longest time, and then I yeah. think I found out or something. Somebody told me or something. And once you know, you know, you can see it. But for right. the longest time, I didn't even realize he was Brutus Beefcake. Yeah, it was so weird. Yeah, was it wild. really was. It really was the disciple. <laughs> He's also the Zodiac when he got so, the uh, yeah, he, was a he, he got the main event at uh, pay, at one pay-per-view with Hogan. Yeah. And I think he was the Zodiac for that. He debuted Our, as Brother Brutai. In, in yeah. Brutai. Brother Brutai. Yeah. Man, you talk about just being friends with somebody, carrying you for a super long way. Right. He had a whole career because he was friends with Hogan. Oh, yeah. Oh, His yeah. whole career. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he probably made. He's probably you know still living that you know whatever he made off of wrestling. I bet he's got no money. No, yeah, he does. Probably not. Does he's he? Like, uh, Thank God. The, no, there, there's a picture of him and Greg uh, Valentine yeah, sitting in yeah, easy yeah. chairs. Uh oh, it's 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 so sad. It is so sad. Like Dude, you know what though? Yeah, I bet they I bet they look back and they're like, I'm glad we did it. Mm-hmm. You know, you know the yeah. 80s were so fun for them. Oh, I bet. That's oh, yeah. just golden era of wrestling. Fun. Oh yeah, cocaine and ice cream bars, man. Um, cocaine, <laughs> ice cream bars, whatever. The, you know, some long nights. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Drinking and driving. Uh, Hogan used to have like uh, coolers of, of beers in the car. You know, they would just drink them and just drive down the highways. Oh yeah, Jerry Lawler's world. Not a care in the world. Imagine being Hogan in 1986. Just imagine it. Like, yeah, that dude was just living some invincible life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet he was. Yeah, my grandma has a picture with him. That's incredible. Wow. It's not well because she's from Bradenton, Florida, which is right right across the bay from. It's like the Marin to Tampa. Okay, gotcha. You know, and uh, yeah, she was on a flight. He was on a flight. So there's a picture of my grandma with uh, what is with Hulk the, Hogan. Uh, what's the time frame on the picture? Oh, geez. Um, I want to say within the last 15 years. Okay, I okay. think he was at TNA at the time. Okay, okay. Uh, I, thought, I yeah. thought you meant like that era. You know, yeah, sort of yeah. Beach days. Nah, no. Staying in the Venice, I guess. He's <laughs> all my grandmother briefly dated Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I think he's my mom's age, though. Hey, maybe he's maybe he's your dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Don't tell people that. Oh man, yeah, I am a like, disappointment you know, again. Hogan could be my father, uh, <laughs> and Sweet Stan Lane is my third cousin. <laughs> right. Oh man. Um, so let's, let's wrap things up. This has been a lot of fun, you guys. Talking some wrestling. Um, Damien, you want to uh, give us some social media so we can find you? Yeah, uh, Twitter and Instagram are probably the easiest place. Uh, at Da Harmony, there's two H's in the middle there. Da Harmony, uh, you can find me there. Um, and I mean, every Tuesday night, I'm on Twitch.tv forward slash Capital Puns for Capital Punishment, uh, 8:30 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. And every Friday, my podcast, uh, Geek History of Time, drops uh, a new episode. Uh, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. So. That's that's most of where people can find me. Other than that, I'm just always out there yelling at school boards. Um, and uh, you know. in the school board office, you guys. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Hell so, yeah. hell yeah, Johnny. Social media and where we can find you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, after Damien Harmony uh, had that media event happen with the school board, yeah, uh, we went we went to have breakfast, and uh, I remember right. being like, "Oh, thank God, we have to wear masks." <laughs> <laughs> want to be seen with this guy tell you that yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, uh on social media you you can find me at hipsterocracy on uh twitter and, and instagram and uh podcast relaunches uh, not this wednesday but next wednesday kyle canane's the guest and uh, you can see me soon i was in melissa via senior's music video uh, for a song called california we're the only two people in the video so i'm prominently featured and uh, I'll tell you what, if you're not friends with Melissa Senior, go be friends with her. She's one of the coolest people on the planet Earth. So, Hell yeah. And you got a couple of uh, comedy albums out there. You want to uh, tell us about yep. those? We can find those and stuff. Sure. They're on every everywhere. You can Any streaming device, you can find them. Uh, Tangled Up and Plaid was my first one. And then Bumming with the Devil. And I got a new one coming out uh, fairly soon, I think. We'll oh, see. Hell yeah. Nice. That nice. new one's called Confetti. 
Uh, it's like in your Jim Ross book. Yep, there you go. That's yep. so awesome. <laughs> I think Jim Ross's book is called Confession. Uh, Jim Jim Ross. Uh, uh, Damien sent me Jim Ross's book, and I had Jim Ross uh, <laughs> inscribe uh, the the confetti has broken him in half, which uh, <laughs> is one of the funniest things that I own. As, that was a fun text to get. By God. <laughs> Hell yeah.